Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. Today we're back on our season reviews, Alex Miller, and we're going to be tackling the Hawks first. I'm sure we'll have lots to touch on across this one. Yes, uh, very interesting season, wasn't it, Cat, for the Hawthorne Football Club? Uh, coaches going with Clarko and a new face in Mitchell, and they've been active in talks in the trade period, and names being tossed up left, right, and centre, and some good, some bad, and some great moments which we'll get into, and some not so great ones, but yeah, it's a very big episode ahead. Alex Doherty, we've just heard that uh, apparently Mitch is on the line to the list managers himself. He's got Peter Bell and Sam Power and Nick Austin and Adrian Dodoro in his, in his emergency contacts and his quick oh, calls. D- d- don't, don't, don't let Adrian Dodoro near that phone. He'll be uh, trying, to, <laughs> trying to swindle Sam Mitchell out of, out of picks, let alone get some players in. <laughs> It's um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a tumultuous season for the Hawks. There was a lot of discussion pre-season about uh, just how far they'd fall, and you know whether it was time to go the full rebuild. And we saw them do a bit of that across the year. Boys, a lot of young boys getting more game time, a lot of debuts, and plenty of guys who took some big steps. Miller. So we'll start with the good, as we have been doing yep. for the past uh, few as well. And I think you probably can't go past in terms of the good the young guys that did come in and made a bit of an impact this year. And we'll talk about them with the most improved as well. But um, lots of guys, you look at the likes of Lockie Bramble and, of course, the mid-season draft in Jai Newcomb, who made an awesome debut and an awesome impression right from the start. Yeah, no, they they were great additions. And uh, what a debut it was, boys, for for Newcomb against Sydney. It It was a great game. And... What a great win that was. That was a great moment as well for Hawthorne this season, that, that win over Sydney where they looked down at our dock and they went up there and, and, and won when the Swans were travelling quite well. But, yeah, they had plenty plenty of great players this year. And the guy that we've spoken about off here, off, off air in his development this year has been Jacob Kaczynski, boys. Is, what, what a year he's had. I, I was so impressed with his his work he put in this season. Um He averaged four marks a game, 1.4 goals, also averaged uh, two tackles, which is good. Um, and, and had a great year in terms of, you know, just his overall contributions to the team. He, he kicked uh, 27 goals, 19. So I thought he had a strong year this year, Doc. Yeah, look, I, look, I think in in the overall grand scheme of things, I think it's I think it's great that they're finally getting kids in. Kids in. I think they should have personally. I think they should have done it two years earlier mm. when when um, they were you know bundled out in straight sets, you know, in the 2018 finals. But you know, apart from that, I think now. It's good to see that some of these kids are really getting in, getting some games in. You know, um, as you've said, you know, I really loved Newcomb's first game, and Kaczynski as well. I've been pretty, pretty big on him. You know, for the first, you know, since since he came into into the club at Hawthorne, and uh, some some of these other guys as well. Bramble's uh, back end of the year, I thought was particularly very impressive. Um, mm. Brockman's uh, start to the year was very good in terms of his tackle pressure and 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 forward craft, and I think. He'll only get better with you know the game with more games and mm. as well as well you know guys like Scrimshaw continuing to get games. He was a high high top ten pick as well. You know I think it was about five years ago. Had a great year, Doc. Had a had a fantastic year and you know I think look, looking at some of these um some of these statistics just trying to just trying to break down sort of how they played. You know um I think thirteenth points for and fifteenth um. A, Thirteenth uh, points four is not bad for a, for a side that's rebuilding. I think mm. I think it's still got a lot of work to do. But in the same token, I think the way that they sort of you know pressure pressure around the ball carrier has been particularly impressive. Six and six in the league for tackles and and third and what was it? 
uh, uh, seventh seventh for tackles inside fifty. Mm. So I think the way that they sort of hold that you know sort of hold that forward half in, particularly that back end of the year where I thought they were very impressive. They beat the Dogs, drew with Melbourne, and I think they lost one only one game in the last six six matches. Yeah, what's impressive as well with that, we talk about the scoring, Mm. we see a lot of teams who are rebuilding who struggle to get many guys into these double figures. The Hawks had four guys this year who kicked 20 goals or more, three of those being Mitch Lewis, Jacob Kaczynski and Dylan Moore, which especially for Kaczynski, basically playing his his first real season um, and Moore as well, who's come in huge strides. Uh, Luke Bruce, of course, the old veteran head in there too, but... To see those guys really become scoring threats for the Hawks uh, is a real positive and one that Sam Mitchell will definitely be looking at when he's putting his 22 together come round one next year. Absolutely, Ken. That's a great call. Man, you are very big fans of Dylan Moore and his progression from, I remember watching him at Box Hill, like yourself and Doc, we watched him and he's come such a long way and it's great for him and he's done a good job and... You know, when we get to the most improved play, I'm sure his name will be tossed up there. But that, you know, they were they had lots of good output from a lot of lot of players. I thought Chad Wingard's back half of the year was really good. Tom Mitchell statistically had a really good year, averaged 34 touches this year. And yeah, you've been singing good. his singing his praises on how he sort of returned back to his best this year. Yeah, now. yeah, it's been fantastic for him, uh, boys. I think what he achieved at Sydney was incredible, and his time up there and. He's, he's moved back to Victoria, was well-valued and, and well-regarded. But I think the biggest thing that I've been impressed with, Cat, is, is his ball use. And there's no question that Tom Mitchell's a great link-up player, but I think he can be an even better um, finisher of plays as well. He actually mm. kicked quite a few goals this year in terms of where you'd have him you know, previously in terms of how, how, how he'd finish off sort of ch- chances and whatnot. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing as well is that as you mentioned, Doc, the pressure around the forearm, but around the ball was really good, the intensity. so Just on his goals as well, Miller, yeah, you look at 2020 and he kicked only the two goals in the season. This year, up to eight. Mm. When he was at his best uh, his best year at the Swans, he kicked 15. His Brownlee year, he kicked 13. So it, clearly it's something that when he's at his best, Doc, it's part of his game. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think... It's, you know, we've said it many times here on the podcast, you know, the best midfielders, you know, find find that, you know, one goal, two goals a game. And, you know, Mitchell was, you know, Mitchell's Brownlow year was, you know, particularly impressive. And I know you weren't very, you know, big on it, Miller, but I, mm. I, I thought I thought he, you know, he thoroughly deserved it because, you know, not like his, his, his job firstly is to win the footy. And we sort of, and he does such a good job of that. I think, I think he was one of the best contested possession winners that year. And then sort of, Everything else is almost, you know, it, it comes second to him. You know, he's you know he's got a great tank. He's very endure, very a good endurance athlete. Mm. Know, gets gets contest gets from contest to contest, and then if he's able to, you know, he's able to sort of push for, push forward and kick a goal. The only and, thing, Doc, is that I reckon this year was better than his Brownlow year in terms yeah. of what he's like. He's he's overall. Well, he didn't have the didn't quite have the hype and the excitement around him. Um, which I think we talked about before that it tends to be the guys who do get that big media attention who end up winning it. But you did it very quietly. Yeah, I don't know. Career career highs across the board from him. You know, um, plus five in his total disposals. Um, his marks were up. His tackles were a little bit down, but his clearances were on point. And he added goals to his game, which he hasn't kicked more than five goals since 2018. And he clicked that, as you mentioned, cat eight this year. So. Mm. I agree, Doc. I think he had a great year in his brownie, no question. But I would say 
Um, he had a better year this year. So, but uh, he's a great player, and he's really he's had a good year this year. I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind that. I think I think he's had a really good year too, and you know, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved of you know all the all the accolades he got his way at the uh, Peter Crimmins Medal Awards. Um, yes. So the. What, what about the bad boys? It, um, obviously, I was just going to say, before we move on to the bad, Doc, could you choose a, a best win for the Hawks across the year? Because there's probably a few, in terms mm. of spectacle, that come to mind. The win against the Crows is probably my favourite um, game <laughs> of theirs to watch, simply because of the fact that it was that shootout of a debut between Kaczynski and Phil Thorpe. <laughs> um, but in terms of performance, you'd probably have to give it to the win over the Swans, uh, at least both off how they performed as a team. Duke Newcomb, obviously, he's fantastic uh, debut as well. And just that whole game for me probably stands out as their best win as a unit. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I remember looking back at that game and thinking, oh, look, Sid, at the start of it, thinking, oh, shit, shit Sydney will um, absolutely run, <laughs> will absolutely destroy them. And then, yeah. you know, no, nothing, nothing actually eventuated. Hawthorne actually controlled all of that game from start to end. So mm. I mean that's a that's a really good one. Also, look, I know you don't want me to go back to this one either, Cat, but I think the round one game against the Dons was was something special. You know, coming back from what was it, forty points down, you know, at half time to really open the game up with a with a with an eight goal third term and then sort of hold sway as you know both mm. sides was was both sides were coming coming to blows with each other. I thought that was a I thought that to me really stood out as a as a great win for them this year. I think, um, yeah, that, those are both great points. The, the draw was really good as well, boys, against Melbourne in the back end of the year when these were travelling exceptionally well and they managed to get a, a good uh, draw there. And also the, the win against Brisbane, Cat, down at, down at uh, Tassie, uh, was really mm. good. Yeah, um, yeah. They faded. They faded um, in the second half in that game. I thought the Lions were very nearly going to get on top of yeah, them. They, they did their best to throw it away. But I, I like that call, Cat. I think that. That game was the most complete performance. Obviously, beating Brisbane is great, but yeah, the four quarter effort. But that's a great, great win over there, and yeah. um, a good draw there. So there were definitely some high points, but there were also some yeah, low the points. low points. What have you got, <laughs> Doc? Because clearly you've got a, a fair, a fair few things you wanted to touch on there. Uh, look, uh, the first thing that just comes to mind is the game against North. Um, obviously, at, at York Park, you know Hawthorne have played at Tassie as much as North have over the last. Uh, five years or so, but to to sort of come up against against North and you know a side that hadn't won a game up until up until that point, just sort of watch them cave in through their contested ball was just. Mm. I I, th- I think for me that was their lowest point. Um, I, I don't know how you boys sort of see it. I think maybe of mm. course I think the Freo game as well was was pretty was pretty dismal to watch as well. But against that, the North, is that the sixty two point loss, Doc? One, yeah, yeah, the, the sixty-two point loss in Tassie, mm. but I think for me, you know, North are pretty much in a similar boat as them. They're, they're a side on the come up, and to to see to watch them sort of you know fold, and we were in the studio, you know, talking about it, you know, mm. before before um before lockdown hit, and and wiped out our studio uses completely. Um, <laughs> that, that um that game they played against Melbourne early in the year when they were neck and neck with them all the way up to three quarter time. It was a really even slog and a hard fought mm. battle, and they just dropped off completely in the last quarter, I thought was another really disappointing loss for them. Similar with the Richmond game as well, Cat, early on in the season. I, I was at that game live, and they were goal for goal. Every time they kicked one, we kicked yeah. one. It was a great game, but they just showed away at the end. I suppose the bad moment for mine, um, 
would, would be the, the handling of the Alistair Clarkson situation, boys. I just think that that was just a very disappointing way to sort of end the season and and see out, you know, what Clark had done. Obviously, they got some great wins towards the end of the year, but mm. how it was handled, Cat, I thought was very sort of chopped and botched and, and didn't benefit yeah. anyone. And I hope it doesn't affect the playing group and Mitchell going forward. Uh, Look, sure. it was it was weird. I think on reflection, um, we all sort of probably were caught a bit off guard when it was, you know, the first the news we got was Clarko's going to be coaching at the remainder of his contract, and then two weeks later it was he's out immediately. Yeah. And I don't think uh, Jeff Kennett's press conference particularly helped that either. Doc, where he was very, um, <laughs> I don't know what the right word to use here is, but he was very unwilling to, to bite with some particular questions. And he was, <laughs> you know, in his Kennet way, very uh, forthright. He just, and, it, yeah, he just left key things hanging, Cat. It's mm. key, key issues hanging. Yeah, well, that, I think that, I think that, Sam Mitchell's that, undoubtedly the right man for the job. Yeah, at I the think very so. least. That that sounds very typical of Jeff Kennett, just leaving things <laughs> hanging. Um, he's been doing it for years, both uh, in the football sense and in a political sense. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, look, I, I'm I'm with you, boys. I think the whole thing was carried out really poorly, and you know, you look at you look at all the reports. You know, Caroline Wilson was onto it. You know, at the start, and everybody sort of laughed it off, and you know, then then it just became a game of sort of he said, she said between mm. her and her and Clarkson and Mitchell and and Kennett, and you know, nobody really knew you know who to believe, and it. it 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 sort of it sort of that sort of just helps sort of stigmatize that sort of relationship between journos and the meat and mm. and, and football clubs. You know, it's it, it's still very very fractured in 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 my eyes. And I don't know how you. <laughs> I said, did. But... Um. To be fair though, Doc, I don't know if you heard some of the questions that Tom Brown was asking. You can't blame <laughs> Kenneth for not wanting to answer those. Uh, I, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Go on, go on, Doc. <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say, look, if Tom Brown's asking you a question, then I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly, uh, I wouldn't exactly be uh, jumping at the bit to get to the conclusion. <laughs> I just, I just suppose to sum that up, boys. It's just very unhawthorne like they've been a very professional working club for a long time, and <clears throat> regarded as industry, industry standard in terms of some of the, uh, you know, football department sort of work they've done, Cat, and a lot of teams are, are based off coaching models uh, from head to assistant to development models that Hawthorne have put in place. And it was just a bit unlike them to have that messy start of the season. But there was yeah. – MVP is a very interesting one I want to hear from you, Cat. Who sorry, you sorry oh, Millard. Sorry, Millard. Just, no, no, <laughs> j- j- just one quick point, you know, on the field as well. I think, you know, I was saying – I was praising, you know, Hawthorne's defensive pressure and whatnot, mm. but – it's their work, you know. In, it's their work around the source and and going forward is is, is a big issue for for mine mm. um, this this year. Sixteenth in centre clearances and you know tenth in contested possessions. You know, you know the foundations of football are built on you know winning winning football from yeah. the source and mm. you know, even going forward. Sixteenth for generating inside fifty entries. So sixteenth, they, they need it. They need to sort of find that sort of cohesiveness when they when they win. Mm. In the ball, like obviously Mitchell's had a great year, and no one's going to dispute that. But it, it's it's looking at some of the other guys as well. I mean, Omira led everyone for clearances. Warple, you know, ha- Warple had a, a strong year as well, a strong back end to the year, I thought. But then after that, after those three, it sort of dips. Like mm. there's, you know, no, no one, no one really stands out. Like Shields is sort of, you know, there, but he's not really helping contribute to wins. Mm. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, just for mine, they they just need to sort of find that find that ability, find those guys that are able to win from the source. That sort of cohesiveness within 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 that stoppage group. 
Yeah, that's a fair call. Warple had a strange year this year, I thought. He, he just didn't kick on as I thought he would. He still was okay, but I just want more from him maybe. But mm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I think Warp, we know what Warple's capable of. He had a great year, I think it was 2019, when Mitchell went down. Mm. And then after that, I think he sort of became a victim of circumstance when he came back in and sort mm. of it sort of left him without a role to really do. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, look, I hope I hope he has a good year next year, Warple, because he I, I think it's, it it'll be a make or break year because he, he's in that sort of you know early to mid twenties bracket mm. now. He, I think he's twenty. I think he turns twenty four next year, so it'll it'll be very interesting. To see twenty twenty three next year, Doc. No, oh, twenty three next year. Um, so yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think he needs a big year. Mm. Yeah, interesting to see how he cracks on in twenty twenty two. Um, for the MVP. Boys, uh, the Peter Crimmins medal has already been awarded, of course, to Tom Mitchell. So he is the club's uh, MVP for the year. But we'll offer up a few of our own suggestions. And one that I would like to put up there, boys, he's been an absolute pillar of consistency for the club uh, over the past few seasons. And he's could have very well won the medal uh, in his own right. Um, and that is a man by the name of Blake Hardwick. Yeah, great call. Very great He has been an absolute lock in that defensive group. Uh, He's got a case to make as one of the best small lockdown defenders in the competition at the moment. And he's the way he took his game up to another level this year where, you know, he's been that rebounder previously, but this year he just went a further step beyond, led the team for rebound 50s, averaged 20 disposals a game. Uh, He was just an absolute pillar of consistency week to week. Doc, I reckon he would have been the first one on the team sheet uh, as soon as he possibly could. Yeah, no, you, you still you stole my call for um for the best for the MVP because I, I the first person that mm. came to mind as well was Blake Hardwick because as you said as you said, Cat, he's a he's just so consistent as 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 a small mid defender and you know the way he sort of rebounds and intercepts. You know nobody really talks about it and he and he and he also does those sort of little run with jobs. You know shutting out small forwards and I think. His job, his jobs this year, you know, it wouldn't have been easy because Hawthorne have, Hawthorne have leaked so many goals this year. It's it's not funny, um, and I and I think the way he's sort of gone about it, you know, if they had six Blake Hardwicks, you know, it, 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 it all <laughs> they'd it be almost, a bit small down there. They'd be small, but I, I reckon they'd 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 certainly give the forwards a, a real hard time. Mm. Yeah, he had, he had a great year, as you mentioned, Cat Career, high 20 touches. He also had 406 metres game, boys, which is 140 more than his actual average. So Jeez. just a, a great year from him. And I agree. I think if Mitchell wasn't to get it, you'd, you'd toss up Hardwick. Also, career high marks as well. And I suppose another name, boys, you, you'd throw up um, is is uh, the running machine, Jarth. I thought he, um, before mm. his injury... If, um, if he played 22 games, yeah. he would have been a genuine chance. Yeah, absolutely. I think before his injury, obviously we'll probably speak to him in the most improved in a sec. He uh, he was really good and um, he's come a long way in his development, but I thought he had a really strong year as well. Mm. No, great calls all around. Let's crack into the most improved. Um, we'll start with you, Miller, actually. who Do you do you want to give it to, to CJ? Would he be right yeah, he'd, he'd be up there. I, I think uh, I'd actually go for Jack Scrimshaw. Um, as Doc Excellent. mentioned earlier, I thought he had a great year and I actually was watching back just some of the Richmond games earlier in the year, and he, he played in round two as the sub, and he's come a long way since then. He was a staple, as you mentioned, Doc, at the team. Career-high average of 20 touches. That's three more than his usual. Uh, his marks had gone up by one and a half as well, and he's made his game by plus 40. And he played 20 games and kicked four goals as well. He loves a goal to run just quietly. So I, I think um, I think him on the wing, him and Phillips, I'd like to see Tom 
Phillips returned to his natural spot on the wing. But, um, yeah, I thought Scrimshaw would be most improved. But, yeah, just definitely a name you'd toss up. But I'd have Scrimshaw personally. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a fair call, Miller. Um, yeah, look, I, th- I think Jack did win the um, the most improved at Hawthorne. So um, one player that I, I think we we only just briefly touched on earlier is, is Dylan Moore, who finished mm. four, who finished uh, in, in the top five, fourth uh, to be precise. And he had a really good year, boys. Oh, yes. I think I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember watching the um, when Box Hill played in the VFL Grand Finals a few years ago, um, just just as we um, were actually getting to know each other at uni. And, and I think I remember, I remember t- telling you boys that, that, you know, I thought Dylan Moore's performance was, was absolutely extraordinary. He was sort of playing a little bit in the midfield, sort of going down forward as well, uh, presenting himself as, as a big threat. And and this year, I think he's been absolutely sensational. Um, he's played played all but two games, uh, twenty games, kicked twenty seven goals, eleven mm. from those, and averaged uh, nearly three tackles a game as as that sort of pressure pressure forward, high half forward sort of operator as well. Um, and and two point two inside fifty. So, you know, look, I've, I've always I've always sort of rated him, and it's great to see him get his opportunities because he's he's a very uh, I think he's a very dynamic sort of player, Dylan. Yeah, he's, um, he's he's a player that for sure. You know, is is very threatening, you know, at ground level, and I think in the air as well. I think he's very underrated. Uh, Average uh, three point eight marks a game, and it's nice. He's 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 quite he's quite he's quite the nifty little player. He's not not overly tall, one seventy six. So it, it, he for mine, he he really stands out. But you could really raffle quite a few players, Cat. Mm. I'd love to I'd love to know who you've got. Mm. Well, your most improved. Yeah, look, those three that we mentioned so far would probably be my top choice. So I'm gonna go for. I might actually go for Tim O'Brien as the most improved player this year. <laughs> not, even there, not even there anymore. He's gone. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. But for the year he had, I thought that shift down to the back line uh, really showed that he can be a genuine swingman type. I think he's got a spot across forward, back, along a wing at the Bulldogs. I genuinely think he could be a, a guy who plays, if not a full 22-game season, 18 or 19 games next year doc like we've talked we, we all have our our issues with how zane cordy's been uh presenting the last couple of seasons and obviously we want rusty and keithy and those kind of boys still in there but if uh if easton woods not far from retirement i reckon timmy o'brien might slot into that backline group yeah he will um it's also interesting that you brought out t- Tim O'Brien, he uh, he only just barely scraped in the top twenty in Hawthorne's best and fairest. <laughs> I reckon it's but probably no, a bit stiff on him. No, look, I I, I, I tend to agree that's, with you. To that's why they let him go, Cat. <laughs> I do tend to agree with you, though, to an extent. I think you know we, we, Tim O'Brien spent most of his time at Hawthorne playing forward, and I think only in recent times we've seen him move to the back line. And mm. I think it's worked to an, I think it's worked to an degree. Mm. Um, and I and I and I think I said to you the other day when we did the um the, the trade the trade review episode that um that the Bulldogs do sort of pride themselves on that sort of you know vertical leap sort of defence where they well, we've got got a lot of good players that can that can jump up and take a grab you know Crozier mm. uh, Duray um and now O'Brien and Wood was good as well a few years ago in his prime so look I I think he I think he fits you know really. Uh, it's a good need for us, um, and, mm. and I think the word is already that he'll play as that centre half back option um, next year. So that'll be very interesting to watch that progress. But yeah, no, I think I think for what it's worth, he, he definitely found a niche this year as as mm. that as that defensive half option. Daniel yeah. Howe wouldn't be a band there named Cat thrown up. 
Yeah, he, he had his. He was good. He had he his good, um right? his shocking moments at times where he was a bit a bit fast and loose with his ball use. But I think um yeah I, he definitely had his most consistent year, especially in terms of game time. Yeah, I was just going to allude to that. Caddy played five last year and played twenty this year, so really has saved his career and been rewarded with an extension. I believe it's just a year, but given yeah. another year, which is good for him. So I'll kick yeah, him up the arse and he'll do better next season as well. <laughs> Uh, let's let's have a look at what they need, boys, because the Hawks have been um, there's been a lot of whisperings and murmurings around their trade period, but nothing's actually happened yet over at Hawthorne. A lot of tweets by Sam Edmund as well about uh, <laughs> Sam Mitchell trying to get on the phone. Yes, a lot of questionable uh, sources and whatnot, but um, there's probably a lot they need to add into that team to become a team that's going to be competing for finals again in the next two to three years or so. For me, it starts down in defence, boys. They had some options this year that probably weren't ideal. If Kyle Hardigan and Sam Frost are your two number one (laughs) key defenders, then you're probably doing something wrong down there. So I think a big key tall uh, down in the back line is probably something they need to be looking at. We know Denver Granger Barras is waiting in the wings. He was obviously injured a fair bit across the year, but one skinny 19-year-old kid isn't going to save the entire back line. So I think a, a more experienced head is probably something they need to be looking at. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a good call as well. I think sort of referring back to what I what I wrote here in my um in my notes here, and some midfield depth as well wouldn't be um wouldn't be too bad. Mm. Um, obviously, O'Meara had a good year, and Mitchell had a, had a good year as well. Um, but yeah, after Warple, it sort of it dips as well. You know, Wingard. I mean, he was okay in patches this year, but he's not going to be the um he's not going to be the world beater he was you know seven years ago, six years ago, and um as well you know Shields. I mean Shields gets his touches and he and he tackles well, but apart from that, I, I don't see him you know really making a splash um in this Hawthorne team going forward. So I, I think as well you know and we and and I did touch on this in my my weekly column at the Mongol Punt as well. I think they I think they need to go all in in the draft this year. Mm. Um, try and try and find a way to to get another first round pick into the draft because I think there are some really good kids in that top 15 that top 15 bracket that can play either right away or you know sooner rather than later mm, yeah and and I think Hawthorne well, I think what have they got they've got pick five at the moment um and then I think they've got another couple inside inside the 20. Inside what the do we reckon region. they go for with that doc because there's some good options around that mark I know Early on when Tyler Sonzi was rated uh, right up there, the Hawks were keen, but I think they've lost a little bit of interest um, on him. So I'm interested what you think they'll do with that selection. Yeah, well, it, it, it is interesting. Um, I think I think for mine, they sort of need to find some, some more midfield talent, um, some, some poise as well with the ball. Um, I think they're... Mm. Try and try and try and find a way to sort of generate that inside fifty because there is still a big disconnect in terms of their their midfield group. Mm. Um, Finn Callahan, Doc. Finn, oh, Finn Callahan. I've watched I've watched quite a few games at Sandy this year, and watching him play, you know, there's, you know, he's not not a renowned contested possession winner, but I think he's his use of the ball by foot is. I've heard I've heard the comparisons to Bonham Pelly. That's not from me, but I've heard the comparisons, and there and there is a little bit in that to suggest that it's true. Mm. Um, but I, I, my biggest concern is I don't think he'll slide to Hawthorne's first pick at five. Mm. I think, I think either Adelaide or the Suns will, um, will take him. I think Adelaide at four would definitely take him. Yeah. So I think they need to sort of push up and, and mm. even, even GWS, I, I'd, I'd look at sort of 
trying to move up to GWS is pick two, but then again, you've got to sort of really, you've got to sort of get give up a bit to get it. So just trying to find trying to find that perfect balance, I think. Mm. Five would have to be in discussion, but you'd also have to look at you know other picks as well. 22, 24 is what they've got as well in that second round, the early second round. So it's it's tough. Um, but I would definitely look at I would definitely look at getting Finn Callahan. What do you time. what do you want to see him get, Miller? There's uh, Hawthorne mm. are always known for bringing in these big players, but it seems like under Sam Mitchell, they're keen on hitting the draft this year. So what do you want to see them bring into the team for the next year? Uh, I agree with both of you. I think the draft is key, as Doc said to nail, but I think key defender stocks, like you mentioned, Kat, at the start, is is critical. Um, you'd have to look, off the top of my head, you'd have to look at some options that are maybe not getting many games at certain clubs. Um I can't think of any off the top of my head quite at the moment, but they they need some ready-made key key defenders to support Granger Barras. Somebody who I don't know why Hartley wasn't getting games over some of those operators, but um, I think that yeah that they needed key defenders. I'm surprised that Brian actually left um, really because um, he's been yeah been there a while. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I sort of that, that's sort of my process as well. I was sort of not sure what they were doing trying to. You know, letting him allowing him to walk to um the dogs for you know for what for what it was worth, but yeah, look, I think well, I like I like Frost's attack of the ball, but his decision making skills is just is dreadful. Mm. And and Hard- <laughs> and and Hardigan, uh, you know, look, I, I've, I've he's well, been he's probably definitely the, not his biggest centaur. He, he, he's probably been in the top. He's probably in the top percentile of players I've rubbished over the over the course of the podcast. <laughs> I suppose the big thing, though, Sicily and Will Day will definitely mm-hmm. add to the back line, particularly Will Day, who yeah, I think was going to... they add that, that class, that ball you Yeah, um, which can sort of help those other guys play as lockdowns. I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind Hawthorne going, seeing them go after Michael Gibbons, actually, um, if he's on the radar there, just because I don't rate Hammerhand that much, and it's just still more and Bruce down there, I think, so... Well, I remember Carlton was supposed to be inquiring about Hanrahan, but I think they've they've fallen off. Uh, obviously, given that Nick Austin just said earlier, as we were recording this on Trader Radio, that they won't be bringing in any more players. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, forward, I think they've got they've got the 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 guys there like Mitch you, Lewis and Kaczynski and the men. Cat, yeah, they're, they're smaller the big as well. Yeah. Smaller as well. They've got young brother Seamus in the wings too. He hasn't <laughs> hasn't really come into the team yet, so they've got the options up forward. Finn McGinnis as well. Cat hasn't really had that much of a yeah. How did he struggle to get back um, or get up to what is sort of his potential seemed to be this year in the VFL? McGinnis, he seemed to struggle a bit at times so maybe under Mitchell he'll find a bit of new life and yeah, I don't know. I think they've got they've got that talent from within, but another hard hitting draft with looking for guys that they really need, I think will do them very well. Did you ask a question about Josh Battle, Cap? Ooh I think they'd probably enjoy having him in the team. Who wouldn't uh, want to have hmm. him either in the forward line or in the back line? Give me Josh. Um, I don't know. I think they've got sort of players of his type. It's whether they want to. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of key sort yeah, of defenders. He's not really. Yeah, he's not... bring him in. Hmm. Look, it, it might sound like a silly idea, but would you entertain the idea of bringing Talia across for for a season or two? I think you need him. Bad. While Granger Barras, like I said, he can't be a big key tall 
when he's still 19. He needs support around him. So I think he wouldn't be the worst option to have him for a year. Wouldn't be the worst option for a year, and you know, after that, he can he can walk to Geelong as as as, as easily as he likes. He'll probably be on the move by then, Doc. Uh... <laughs> He'll probably be on the move mid-season. <laughs> but I'll, let's um, let's yeah, give, give it's interesting. Let's give our ratings, boys, for the the Hawks year overall. I'll start with you, Miller. Um, given that they finished remarkably outside of the bottom four, I think we all thought they were due for it at the start of the year, but that end of the season was really really strong from them. Where do you rate them overall? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, Kat, because there's lots of ways to look at Hawthorne. And I think um, the back end of the year was interesting playing and administration-wise. And because of that, I wouldn't. Give, I was going to give them a five, but I'm going to give them a four just because of how the Clarkson thing was botched because an absolute great of the game, what he's achieved coaching-wise and, and an amazing person. And it's just a sort of a really bitter way for me personally to see him go out. But... They've got the right direction and I sort of agree with Doc that they should have hit it a year or two ago, the draft. But if they nail the picks this year, um, they're going to be in a great spot. But off the off this season, I would give them four out of ten for Hawthorne. What do you got, Doc? I'm going to give them a three. I'm not particularly oh. – I wasn't particularly impressed with their year overall. Um, Shit. I, th- I think, you know, the last six, seven games sort of, you know, saved them from getting a really bad mark. Um, and yeah, as you said, Miller, I, 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 I too am not very, um, you know, very happy about how they handled Clarkson either. Mm. Um, and just sort of last six games, they won three of their seven. So up to that point, they had only won four games. Mm. And for me, that's just not good enough. Um, I, 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 and yeah, they, they just need to hit the draft hard. See if they can offload, you know, either Mitchell or Amira. Or, or possibly even Wingard if, if, if anybody's buying him. Um, I, I personally wouldn't. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, this draft is huge for them going forward. It's they have to nail the pick stock. They have to. It's it's the biggest draft they've been in since Clarkson was in charge, you know, back in 2004, yep. end of 2004. That's something. They, like, yeah. they need to nail it. We'll be watching with very keen eyes. Uh, I think I'll, I'll agree with Doc and give them a three for the year <laughs> they had. It's uh, stiff, boys. We, we weren't expecting very much out of the Hawks, but really what we saw up until that last month was really quite horrible really like i don't know if there's many other ways to describe it <laughs> it was much of the much of the same from last year Ken. i think um in certain ways they weren't doing themselves any favors with the future in other ways they did get those kids in eventually and the guys that needed to get games got games um had the likes of day and granger Barras and Juth and sicily had stayed uninjured um possibly we might be saying a different story but I think just off the rotten luck they had, the rotten form they had, and the rotten coaching handover they had, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop them with a three for their 2021 season. Jeez, the rotten farm over there. <laughs> Everything's going a bit rotten at Hawthorne, but hopefully their draft is not quite as rotten as we were saying. Hmm. Um, but I think uh, that's going to be about all for us on this season review for the Hawthorne Football Club. Make sure you stick around and listen to our previous reviews as well. We've got the whole bottom four will already be up for you to listen to. We'll have Carlton coming up next, and then we'll work our way up the ladder into the rest of the top eight. There's a few big teams uh, coming up. <laughs> Richmond, Frio, St. Kilda, <laughs> West Coast, Essendon and the Giants, all in that 7-12 to 12 range. Well, it used to be a big team, Cap. 
<laughs> Once upon a time, we'll have some very interesting discussions, I think, in that episode, Mr. Miller. But make sure you follow us across all our socials so you stay up to date with all the reviews as they come out across Facebook and Instagram, A3Footy Podcast, on Twitter at A3Footy. We've got the email as well, A3Footy at gmail.com. Um, if we haven't talked about your team yet for the season review, give us your thoughts and anything you want us to discuss on those, as well as trade mm. and draft, anything you'd like us to talk about around that. But with all that said, and until the next one, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Doherty. Make sure you stay tuned for the Carlton episode and the rest of the ones to come. And thank you for listening.